Today's gospel music is not very biblical. Well, not so with that song. If I got Jesus, I got it all, no matter what the world has to say about it. I kind of like that song. That's the first time I'd heard that song. I want to thank Ronnie for suggesting it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Jerry Kay, open up, please, with prayer, if you would, please, buddy. Yep. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Title message is New Year, New Me. Uh, I don't. I heard Gina say that at Sunday school. I don't know if she'd already looked at the notes or that just came to her. That's kind of scary that we're thinking alike some days, okay? New Year. <laughs> new Year, New Me. You know, a new year brings a lot of excitement, brings uh, a lot of Goals, anticipation, even sometimes it brings new resolutions. We do that, don't we? A new year reflects a new beginning. We can kind of think back on the past year and, and kind of think maybe that's kind of gone away from us and we anticipate a, a new year coming and, and what uh, what's going to happen and may, hopefully the Good things are going to happen, and, and so many times, and many of us, I know, will come up with some sort of a New Year resolution, something that I would like to accomplish this year, something that I think uh, I want to do, maybe, and, and we think about those kind of things, and we start putting those kind of things together in our mind, and, 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 and we decide this is what we want to do. I, I, I think I can, I can do this. I think that this is something that I want to do. I think if, if I just will work hard enough that I can be successful. And if, and if I can just do this, uh, I know that I will be happy for the rest of the year. And we know about those kind of uh, resolves, do we not? They might last a week, they might last two weeks, might last a month, maybe last a couple of months, but all of a sudden it comes a point in most of the cases of New Year's resolution that the excitement and the determination that we had to make those things seems to dissipate and seems to go away, and those new re resolutions just kind of just fade into the sunset as another example of us not being faithful to what we wanted to do. And I think one of the reasons for that, I think why, why New Year's resolutions really just don't, don't seem to work in, in most cases, is the fact that I just kind of just said it while I was talking. Most of the things that we decide to do all pertain to I. I is the focus of a New Year's resolution. I, me, want to do this to accomplish this. And when we do things in our own strength, in our own motivation, many times they just won't work. You see, as Christians, we are to not think about I and me so much as to think about 
What does God want to do through me? Now think about that. I think that would be a, a little better New Year's resolution. What does God want to do through me? Hmm. But what do we do most of the time? <laughs> most of the time, we decide what, what we, I, me, want to do, and then we ask the Lord, Lord, please bless what I have decided to do. Lord, bless what I have decided to do. And I would suggest to you, maybe that's backwards. Maybe we need to find out what God wants us to do and what He wants to do through us. And then we make that resolution, that resolve, to do what He wants to do through me. Today I want to give you a different kind of a New Year's resolution, if you would. A new kind of resolution that I believe will change the way you live. And I also believe that every true, born-again, saved, blood-bought Christian in this building should have this as their New Year's resolution. Every one of us needs to have this resolution. And that resolution is that I now live a Christ-centered life. A Christ-centered life. Well, what do, you, what do I mean by that? A Christ-centered life. It means to allow Holy God to shape you and to mold you into the very image of His Son. You see, Romans 8, 29 says that. He presented or He predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what He wants from every one of us. That He conforms us, molds us, shapes us into a person that looks like His Son. That's what a Christ-centered life is. And one of the ways that God does that is He brings circumstances and or He allows circumstances into our lives to do that. God allows good things to happen to us, does He not? And, and we're all pumped up about that and we praise Him for all the good that's, that's coming down our way. But He also uses difficult circumstances, hard circumstances, uh, sad and sorrowful circumstances, things that we don't want to participate in, but God has allowed them into our life for what reason? To mold us and to shape us into a person that looks like His Son so that we will become more trusting in the Lord. That when we can trust Him more and we can see His faithfulness to us, then we begin to grow in our spiritual uh, love for the Lord, if you would. And that is a picture of being Christ-centered in our life. I think that is a New Year's resolution for all of us to become more Christ-centered in our life. Well, what, is, what does that look like? What does that mean to be Christ-centered? I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what it means that Christ is the center of the way we live. The first one we see, it's a life that is focused on the commitment to Christ or a life that is surrendered 
to the Lord. You know, every, every decision that, that you and I make, at the core of those decisions will be some sort of motivation. I am motivated to make this decision. Why? Well, that motivation can be many things. Many times it's we are motivated for the idea of money, to make money. We are motivated because of our job kind of requires it. We're motivated for the pleasure or the fun of something so that we can enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. We're motivated because of our family. And, and, and all those kind of motivations are all, are all good. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm not criticizing that. But we must guard against that those motivations of those kind of things do not become the center of our life. Do not become a priority in our life. You know, so many times we, uh, we put a lot of time and effort and energy and the thought into something. And we, and we put those kind of things into uh, something that we're looking forward to. We tend to kind of put those things in a, on a pedestal and become a priority in our life. And, and the more times we, we, we work on this and we think about this, it, it becomes very important to us. Nothing wrong with that, but it can't be the center of our life. The things that we think about, the things that we dream about, the things that we, we strive for, nothing wrong with those unless they become the center of our life, unless they become a priority in our life, unless they become the most important thing in our life. And I would even suggest to do sometimes all that energy and time we put in it almost can become a God to us with a little G because it becomes a priority in our life. We must guard against that. We must have a commitment to Christ and Christ alone. We must have surrendered our life to Christ and Christ alone and not put anything in the center of that who is not Christ. Matthew six thirty three says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all those things will be added unto you. But in our lives, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm looking at myself too. Do we not many times put those things that are added to us first of that verse? And we put those kind of things first and then we seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, other things have become centered in our life. Other things become more important in our life than seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness. And we tend to fade away at that point. Matthew 6, 24 says it a different way. It says this, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll hold on to one and despise the other. No man can serve God and mammon. No man can serve God and just fill in the blank if you would. You see, as Christians, we can't have two masters. We have to have one master, and that master is Jesus Christ. The most important relationship that we can have in our lives, is it not, to have Christ in the center of our life, to be the the most important person in our life, to be uno numero number one, I think how that says. 
He's got to be a priority. Our relationship with him must be in the center of our lives. Because if not, then we're adding everything to this and then seeking his, his kingdom. We must have a commitment to Christ in this new year. A commitment stronger than we've ever had. And that's where it starts. The second thing I would like to show you about a Christ-centered life is that it glorifies God. If Christ is in the center of your life, your life will glorify God. You see, it's all about what we say, (laughs) what we do, how we act, how we react, how we love, how we forgive. All of that stuff right there should glorify God. Did you know that? Should bring Him glory and honor the way we speak and the way we act and the way we do and the way we love and the way we forgive. You see, our life must reflect that. I read a story about a, a lady and uh, on her car, on, on the backside, on the, on the back bumper there, she had a, uh, she had a, a picture of a, of a fish, you know, the symbol of, of a Christian, the, the Christian fish there. And it said, uh, follow me to such and such church. And, and just to bring it closer to home, I'll just say it said, follow me to Arapahoe First Baptist Church. It didn't, but to bring it closer to home, I'm going to say that, okay? And this gal was, uh, was driving, and, and, and the, the congestion and the, the, the slowness of the traffic, and, and, and the longer she had to sit in traffic, the, the more upset she got, and, and, and she began to yell out the window to, to somebody that was standing there, and then she began to raise her hands like some of them do. She wasn't praising the Lord at that point. She was irritating that somebody had gotten away, and, and, and she was saluting some folks as she was driving by. She finally got, got out of the, the, the traffic jam and sped off and, and just peeled her tires and, and, and just made a scene. Well, the policeman was watching all this and pulled her over. Officer, why, uh, why did you pull me over? I haven't, I haven't done anything. And, and he said, you know, I, I, I looked at your tailgate there and I saw the fish and I saw the sign that said, follow me to, to Arapahoe First Baptist Church. And he said, I, I thought the car was stolen. Now, that's funny, but it's not. Okay? I mean, it, 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 I, I, it's not. Because, you see, she was talking about on the back end of her car, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, yes, go God. I'm on your side, God. But the way she acted and the way she presented herself and what she did was not presenting herself as a believer. Her things were not giving God the glory in her life. And, and the policeman could see it. And the people that she was waving at could see it. And you see, as, as, as being a, a Christ-centered person, we can't live that way. We can't be that way. I mean, our, the, the car of our life can't be, I think, it's stolen because it's not representing what we're supposed to be representing. We must live a life that brings glory and honor to God. If Christ is the center of your life, then that can happen.
Another example of a Christ-centered life is the things that you talk about and dream about and wonder about and scheme about is how can I build my relationship with the Lord? I mean, you ever think about that? How can I build my relationship with the Lord? How can I draw closer to Him? How can I fall more in love with Him? How how do I do that? Am I the same person I was when I got saved 50 years ago, 60 years ago? Am I the same person that, that that I am today in terms of my walk with the Lord? Am I the same as I was when I got saved a year ago? Am I the same? You see, a a Christ-centered person whose life is Christ-centered, we have a passion to want to grow in our relationship with Him. I mean, we want to know more about Him. And the Bible encourages that, does it not? I want you to have this spiritual knowledge about my Son so that you can be more obedient to Him. And more obedience leads to love, and and love leads to more passion and, and and a spiritual growth. And he said, if we're going to be that way, we have got to desire a passion to know more about him, to grow in our relationship. If, if, if you're one that has, uh, has not never really gotten into coming to Sunday school on Sunday morning, I would encourage you. That could be a good start, a good place. We've got a really good guy that knows what he's talking about in our Sunday school class. I'm telling you, he knows what he's doing. He used to preach a little bit, okay? And he still does kind of on Sunday morning. But he's feeding, feeding the word to his people. I mean, I mean, maybe if you haven't really gotten into it, maybe you should grab a, go ahead and grab one of those daily Bible readings so that you can read through the New Testament and you can read and, and, and grow in the knowledge of what, what God has told us in his word. Or you can read just the book of John and just find out all about Jesus. You see, you see, we, we, we can do this. Or maybe, or maybe if you don't come on Wednesday night, maybe that'd be a, th- a starting point. Because all we're going to be talking about is Jesus. You see, I, I got to get you and I got to get myself in, a, in, a, in, a, in the habit, if it would be, in order to have more of a passion for the Lord. And if, you, and if you're wanting to be Christ-centered, you'll have that passion. And if you're not Christ-centered in your heart... You won't have that passion, I promise you. What a New Year's resolution to be to have that passion in the Lord. I think another Christ-centered example is we are people that run away from sin and not towards sin. We run away from sin. For, uh, James 4.17 says, To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him, it is sin. If we know the right thing to do and we find the right thing in here and we don't do it, James said that's, that's just sin. A Christ-centered lifestyle says, I'm running away from sin, not towards it. I don't want to do this. And, and why do I do that? Why do I do that? Because, you see, I've learned through these years that God hates sin. I mean, he hates sin. Why does he hate sin? Because he had to send his son through what he sent his son through. He sent his son through hell so that you and I can have life with him forever and forever. 
He absolutely hates sin. And if God absolutely hates sin, he wants his children to absolutely hate sin. And if we're going to live a Christ-centered life, we too must be a people that hate sin. Another example of a Christ-centered life is we flee from immorality, moral purity, if you would. We live in a, in a world where you can, you can click on anything that you want to see, anything you want to hear at any time, 24-7. We must be a people that run away from immorality. The Bible says gives us a clue on how to run away from immorality and be, and be pure. And it's Galatians 5.16, and it says this. If you walk by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You see, daily we must walk by the Spirit. Daily we must seek God's will for our lives. Daily we must focus our hearts on Him. Daily we must be Christ-centered in our lives so that we will not walk by the flesh and fall into the temptations of the flesh. But we are strengthened by the Spirit to resist the temptations that are out there for all of us to devour. 1 Corinthians 3 says that this body, your body, is the temple of God. Is the temple of God. And why is it the temple of God? That's not my words. That's come straight from His Word. Because this body, if you've been born again, houses the Holy Spirit. Houses the Holy Spirit. You've been truly born again. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit is God. The creator of the universe lives inside of you. And this is the temple that God has said, I'm going to reside in you by. And that's your body. We cannot defile it with immorality. If we want to be a Christ-centered person, we cannot defile it with immorality. A Christ-centered person also is based on obedience to the Lord. Obedience to the Lord. You know, the Bible says, we, we, if you follow my commandments, you will abide in me. I don't have any times from this pulpit I, I have said, uh, God has given us a lot of promises, hasn't he? I mean, he has given us a ton of promises in his word. And those promises are only promises if we allow those words to stay on this page. If they're just nothing but words and we choose not to be obedient, we choose not to stand on them, we choose not to do what it says intentionally, then we're not standing on His Word. Then we're not being obedient to His Word. I mean, He's given us a lot of, lot of helps, hadn't He? I mean, he said, you got anxiety? Let me, let me show you what to do with this. You got fear? Let me show you what to do with this. You got financial issues? Here, I, my word will explain how, what, what you need to do with that. You don't think, you don't think, you don't know where God is sometimes in your life? Well, well let me tell you, I got some words about that. He'll, he'll tell you where he is. You see, anything in your life, anything in my life that you're dealing with, this book has the answer. This book is the answer. And this, the answer begins with what that song said. 
I got Jesus. And that's all I need. You see, we've got to live a Christ-centered life if we ever want to be obedient to his word. A Christ-centered life also talks about sacrificial love. The kind of love that, that Christ has for you and for me. Sacrificial love. The kind of love that says if you're going to be Christ-centered, you're going to be able to love those that are hard to love. You're going to be able to love the unlovable. You're going to be able to love those who are spiritually immature, that are not as spiritual as you. You still can love them. You're going to be able to love those folks that don't look like you, act like you, speak like you. You still can love them. If you're Christ-centered, we have to have that kind of sacrificial love for people. Because you know what? In the New Testament, we've only got two commandments. I mean, he, he went from the top ten to just two, didn't he? Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is just about like that, he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commandments we've got to live by. See, a Christ-centered life allows us to be able to do that. But if Christ is not the center of your life, you won't be able to love the unlovable. You won't be able to love those that look differently than you and speak and, and act differently than you. You won't be able to do it. You see the importance of being Christ-centered? I mean, he empowers us to be able to live the life that he's called us to live. We must be Christ-centered so that we can love sacrificially. Christ-centered life is patient in our sufferings. It is patient in our sufferings, knowing that God knows. We have difficulties in life, don't we? Just because we're a Christian, we don't get a pass on some of that kind of stuff. We have difficulties in our life. We have struggles in our life. We get phone calls that we don't want to get that give us bad news. We, sometimes we have rejection because we're Christian. I read of a couple that uh, were professional dancers that were kicked out of the competition for one reason, because they're Christian. We have people being sued all over the country because they won't bake a cake for the homosexual community. You see, we're going to be rejected, we're going to be mocked, we're going to be ridiculed. Well, you say, boy, that doesn't sound very, very much like I, what I want to do. I didn't sign up for that, did I? Well, when you accepted Christ, yeah, you did. And the beauty of that is, the beauty of that is, that no matter what you go through, no matter what you suffer, no matter the persecution, the mocking, no matter what, the sickness, no matter what, God knows and God will take whatever you're dealing with, make it for your good and for his glory. How do I know that? Romans 8, 28 tells me that. Does that not what that verse says? Is that not what it says? And you've got it up on the board there. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. To those who are called according to his purpose. He will take, if you allow him, if you trust him, if you have faith, he'll take whatever that is. And make good for you and for his glory. Sometimes that takes faith. But see here again, that's one of those verses that you've got to stand on and trust and believe. 
and make them more than just words on a page. They've got to be burned into the heart. And then you can be obedient. The last example of a Christ-filled, centered life is that you must fear the Lord. You must fear the Lord. Uh-huh. Two verses there. I got, yeah, he's got them up there. Fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Proverbs 16, 6. And the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. You mean I'm supposed to be afraid of the Lord? You mean I'm supposed to be scared of the Lord? Well, yes and no. <laughs> okay? Yes and no. What does the fear of the Lord mean? It means you have a continuing awareness that our loving God sees and knows everything that you do and everything that you say. Let me try that again. It has a continuing awareness that our loving Father sees everything that we say and sees everything that we do. And He will see and hear everything we do and He will take the scales of heaven and He will evaluate what the scale says and He will evaluate the significance of of what you have done for eternity. He's going to hear and he's going to evaluate, he's going to weigh, and what you have done, is it because of his kingdom or not? I believe as Christians, Christ-centered people, we should, we should make decisions based on, does this please the Lord? Would this decision please the Lord? Or if, if, if Jesus was standing here beside me today and we're just hanging out today, would he want me to go there? Would he want me to say that? Would he want me to click on that? Would he want me to say what I'm fixing to say? And if he didn't, I probably better not do that. You see, he is weighing what we do and what we say for eternal significance. And for the Christian, for the Christian, guess what? <laughs> All that's going to be brought up again. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ, where He has recorded what we have done. And at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says, as Christians, as Christians, we don't have to worry about our sin, but we'll be rewarded for all those things that we did in the name of Christ. All those things that we did to further the kingdom, the Bible says we will get a reward for that. And all those things that we did on our own power, our own strength, our own ability, for our own glory, the Bible says all that stuff will be burned up and you'll be no reward. You'll be in heaven. You're still saved. But all that's going to be burned up. You see, we've got to have a fear of the Lord. For all those who are unbelievers, yeah, those deeds will come up again <laughs> at the great white throne judgment. And then... For unbelievers, you will be judged based on your deeds that you've done. It will cause separation forever and forever and forever because of that. You see, it is important that you and I have a, a healthy fear of the Lord. Because like Proverbs 16, 6 said, 
it keeps us away from evil. We'll have a sermon series one of these days on the fear of the Lord. (laughs) I promise. No person is perfect. You and I, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We all stumble at times. We all sin at times. Even the, the, the person who strongly desires to be Christ-centered in his life, sometimes they stumble and they sin. But the difference between a Christ-centered person and a person who is just uh, calls himself a believer but has got one foot in the world and one foot in the, out of the world and one foot in church and one foot out of church. Kind of those half kind of people, okay? The difference between when a Christ-centered person sins, they know it. And they feel a disharmony with the Lord. And they feel that there's something missing in the Lord. And for a Christ-centered person, they cannot wait. They cannot wait to get that broken fellowship back in line, to correct that disharmony, correct that, that feeling that, that where are you, God? And for a Christ-centered person, they get on their knees and they confess, Father, I've sinned against you. And they claim, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. For that Christ-centered person, they cannot wait To be cleansed by God Almighty. The person who is not Christ-centered goes about their business. Sin doesn't seem to bother them that much. Sin doesn't seem to bother them until they get caught. And maybe, maybe, oh God, forgive me God. But there's a huge difference. I would urge you this new year, make a resolution. I've got to be Christ-centered in my life. Because it would definitely will change the way you live. You know, we're living in some crazy times, aren't we? I believe this is the end of the end times. Okay? I just, I just believe that. And I believe as God's children, we've got to start making some choices. Am I going to truly live for Him? Or am I going to live for the world? Am I going to do kind of what I want to do with my life? Or am I going to commit to doing what he has called me to do? You can't serve two masters, the Bible says. Jesus also says, you're either for me or against me. There's none of this straddling of the fence. And and if you're one that wants to straddle the fence in terms of your relationship with Christ that you don't really want a Christ-centered life because you want to have control over your life. The Bible says what? You're either for me or you're against me. There's no straddling the fence. I, 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 I would just urge you to become Christ-centered in your life. I've heard people say, you know, I, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I just I ain't got no joy. I ain't got no peace. I, 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 I ain't feeling this abundant life that I know the Bible says. Why is that, Don? Well, I, 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 can give you, I think I can give you two reasons. Number one, you might not be born again. You might not be born again. And number two, 
you're not living a Christ-centered life. You know, in your life, you might be allowing sin to harbor and to stay. You might not be obedient. You might not want to do any of those things that I said. You might not want to love anybody. That's not a Christ-centered life. But a Christ-centered life says, Christ, you're the most important thing in my life. Christ, I want to serve you. Christ, I want to do the things that, that make you happy. I want to submit my life to you. Christ, I want to be a pleaser, if you would, <laughs> to you. And when you do, and you allow him to come in and be the center of your life, then your life will be changed forever. You see, the Christian walk is not just about getting saved and I'm done. And so many of us think that, no, that's not just the Christian life. He has saved us to mold us and to shape us into a person that looks like his son so that the outside world, the unbelieving world will see that and they'll go, I want what you got. I want that. But if our bumper sticker says one thing and our actions say something else, the unbelieving world doesn't want what we got because they already got it, which is nothing. I want to encourage you this time, this year as we begin a new year. Would you please <laughs> make Christ the center of your life? Eternity yeah, is, is affected because of you. And if you do that. But I, I can promise you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Eternity could be affected from your kids and your grandkids and your other grandkids and your friends and your co-workers. Could be majorly affected if you become Christ-centered or if you don't. You'll have an impact one way or the other on somebody. Make your life Christ-centered. You're either going to worship God or you're going to worship somebody else. I urge you. I urge you to make Christ the center of your life. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, that's all I got. If God has spoken to you today, I'd urge you to do something about that, whatever that might be. If that's your new resolution, I would tell him that and ask him and tell him, I can't do this on my own. I got to have you, God. If you want me to be Christ-centered, I can't do it on my own. And he'll tell you, yeah, I know you can't. But I will encourage you, empower you to do it. I'll supply all your needs according to, your rich, to his riches and glory. Do business with the Lord. I'll be quiet.